Welcome to episode 97 of Jen and Millie, where a Gen Xer and a millennial share the strength-based perspective through which they view the world. We are your hosts, Allison and Tess. Hi, Look I'm at me doing the introduction you. without a cheer or messing words up. I yeah. just... Or pausing Thank to say, for- oh, 97, that's three episodes away from 100. I was just waiting for a note about that. <laughs> well, I'm not good at math, but I... So appreciate that you still put, this is such a great example of your strengths in action. You still put the intro into the chat for me so that I don't screw it up. Yeah, in case you want to, and I said, in case you want to reference it, I know you like to challenge yourself. <laughs> I am very grateful for all of the humans in my life who know me well enough to know what I need without me even asking for it. I've been learning so much more about that when it comes to strengths recognition and what we teach and preach about complementary partners. Mm-hmm. But I don't often pause to say thank you for that. Um, so thank you for that. You of have all, <laughs> since the day I met you, I think been in abundant awareness of the lookout, the watch out of my strengths. <laughs> no, they may need a little assistance. Where's a ranger for you? 14. It's higher. That's a strength I'm becoming much more fond of and understanding. Mm -hmm. Um, We've talked about this before about strengths bias Mm -hmm. and I'd already, I'd always associated that strength with someone that I knew previously Mm -hmm. and it drove me a little bit crazy or maybe the person did and I associated (laughs) it with that strength. Yeah. And now I'm starting to learn the nuances of the, the juggle and how they yeah. can pull down. I'm also really starting to see adaptability as a relationship building theme. Ooh, how so? You all provide psychological safety in times of exponential change yeah. and growth. Because there's this consistency and steadfastness, like not being rattled yeah. by... Yeah, absolutely. And that's how I've always described it, too, because I think people are confused that it falls into that domain. But I'm like, I feel like it's like the bedrock when everything else is like being chaotic around. Mm -hmm. And people with high adaptability, leaders with high adaptability have this sense of knowing we need it. Mm. You you know, change. you love a dynamic environment, you know, change is Mm -hmm. inevitable. But you can sit in it in this space of like, not comfort, but not discomfort, but like steadfastness. And those of us with low adaptability are just running around. Spiraling out. And just (laughs) spiraling out. Um, Mm -hmm. So I I do want to recognize that I think from the day that we began working together, uh, I have appreciated and leaned in on your strengths to buffer and protect some of mine and my well-being as a whole but I am so ready to kind of own not just what I do well but what I don't do so well yeah that it's I I do use self-deprecation and funny stories to say wow I completely don't have my shit together but it's really true I do not have my shit together yet and so Thank you to all the humans who (laughs) help see that. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's start first by, I wanted to pick up where we left off last time. Mm -hmm. That was 
a very powerful episode for us to record for me. It was a vulnerable space of sharing a story and uh, sharing a connection. Yeah. And I had a couple people reach out about Matt's side of the story. If you listen back, I shared a little bit about Matt and the influence of, of music and, and his impact um, mm-hmm. on me. And I had a couple people reach out and say, and what would he have to say about that? <laughs> um, I did want to acknowledge that he did know and did listen. And we had a really meaningful conversation about that episode. Yeah. Um, I think from what I understood from Matt, I did get the story fairly correct. Of course, there's always a couple different sides and nuances. Um, but it was such a great opportunity for me to share something that was hard to share. Mm-hmm. And then when I was able to chat with him, we actually um, met and had brunch. There was such a release in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, my anxiousness was gone. I wasn't attached to any outcomes in seeing him. Even seeing him was different. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't feel the same sort of um, hurt. Mm-hmm. It just yeah. felt like a release. And we talk a lot about naming things, yeah. naming our strengths, naming a, um, a talent. I think sometimes when we can name in a safe container, <laughs> granted, this really isn't an example of a safe container that's going out to strangers. I think it but is. But I feel it with you. <laughs> yeah. I have I this safe container with you. It. Yeah, I yep. forget that other people listen. Um, and I also am very fortunate to have a safe container with Matt, mm. that to speak honestly to the struggle allowed a lot of that to be released. Mm. So I wanted to um, segue into today by first acknowledging thank you to the listeners who reached out, mm-hmm. who uh, also held space for that story. And uh, yes, Matt did listen and from what I can understand, he did approve. There's no signs of him suing us at this point. Okay, good. Yeah. I don't think. Not sure. <laughs> I'm just learning how to actually podcast. I don't know how to deal with the suit. <laughs> right. I called our attorney um, just to make sure. Right. We don't have. We don't have one. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it was quite lovely for me to realize the expression mm-hmm. of a difficult story aloud some of the heart attachment to be released. Wow. That's beautiful. I feel like I love that because it is what we aim to do here in this space is to live authentically and honestly and openly. And so for people to be able to literally be with you as, and us as that unfolded is, is really neat. And I think we have other examples of that, right. Of, my career path and and choices and um, you talking about the grief and naming the word divorce like I feel like we've had a lot Mm -hmm. of really honest moments in this space and um, I don't know it's what makes it safe for me and and I think based on responses we get I think the listeners also hold that safe space for us and um, for themselves too right is is what we try to do so I love that agreed I love that 
today I hope we can talk a little bit about even further into that, what motivates. I was sharing about Jen and Millie as a podcast. You know, you sound very fancy when you meet someone on a plane and you say, yeah, I have a podcast. (laughs) It's very fancy. Um, And then they say, really? What is it? And then you immediately regret that you said that out loud. Um, (laughs) So they don't go look it up. (laughs) Please don't go look it up. Please. Um, But I then, of course, have to tell the story of how this podcast came to be. Mm-hmm. And of course, um, pause, never... communication, input. I mean, oh, I love always... that story. I do. You always tell the story. It's one of my favorite stories to yep. tell. <laughs> yeah. And um, so I was talking about, you know, it's Jen and Millie because I'm a Gen Xer. She's a millennial. Garth Brooks, Bob Seger, Bob all, all the stories. Yep. Mm-hmm. So... I said, we've talked about a lot of different topics. I said, because there are differences that can be Mm -hmm. celebrated when you think about, you know, Tess doesn't know the world that I grew up in and there's no way I can know the world that Tess grows up in. We're Mm -hmm. all growing in this world and I'm experiencing it from 47 and she's experiencing it from much younger than that. Mm -hmm. So as I was discussing this with this person that was sitting next to me on the plane, he said, have you ever talked about what motivates and generational differences. And he said, do you think strengths factors into that? And that has been an ongoing question that I get from a lot of leaders, a lot of um, team leaders. Like, help me know what motivates this person that I don't feel like I understand. Mm -hmm. And the first question I ask to leaders when they say, I don't understand what motivates this person. I say, have you asked them? Have you asked them? It's a good question. I also think in a lot of coaching, and you probably have experienced this too, sometimes when you ask the individual, what motivates you? We don't even know that we can name it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's like not even being able to name sometimes your talents, right? Or what are your life-limiting, you know, uh, paradigms that you function under and and yeah, I think it's a great conversation. I do want to, for the sake of like technicality, note that there aren't direct correlations between strengths and motivations. There are associations, right? right? There are some things you might be able to gleam based on someone's strength set, but Gallup's strengths as a framework, right, is talents, which are a collection of behaviors and practices, right? So you can do something you know, in a lot of different ways, but with very different motivations. Or you can do something the same way with many different motivations. And I feel like we've talked about this a little bit because when we did like a podcast on the Enneagram, I think I really differentiated this, right? Because the Enneagram is very much about one's motivation, one's intent, one's purpose. Um, Because you and I can both walk someone across the street, an older person that needs help crossing the street, right? You might be motivated out of your empathy, right? Out of your like wanting to help, right? 
I'm strategically thinking, right, about like, okay, what are the potential accidents that this could cause? Um, Okay, if I get this person across faster, then traffic can move more quickly, right? Like all of these things, like I might be motivated by a need for public safety, right, for a need for congestion. You might be motivated by the fact that like, oh my gosh, I can't imagine this person who's struggling even to do something basic such as crossing the street, right? And so we can have the same exact practice, the same behavior, the same task talent right to make something happen which that's where our strengths lie right but we might be coming at it from a different motivation and that doesn't mean we can't have the conversation because there are definite areas of association that I think there are a lot of ways in which our strengths are related to our motivation but it doesn't mean that they're exact right like you can't say oh you have the strength of you know a ranger you have the strength of connectedness this means you must be motivated by this in your life also, I think it, it kind of leans back into what we learned early in our strengths education about how these are sitting there in neutral mm-hmm. until we choose to apply yeah. apply them. And I don't know, I mean, I think of Shane every time I say this, that I have had enough time. He used to say, a lifetime's not enough time to know the nuances of your top five. Mm -hmm. I don't know that I've had enough time to investigate them as these rich tools that help me be my best self. I'm also really learning about how there's natural protectors in my top five. Mm. Like my strategic protects my empathy and vice versa. And my connectedness often will help my input. So I have like almost complementary partners built into my top five if they're functioning well. Yeah. But sometimes they're not. Mm -hmm. And then I think about how that affects motivation. Absolutely. Are you in balance, out of balance? Are you, you know, stressed, hungry, tired, pissed off? Any of those things in between. But... One of the things that, that kind of brought me to the, the sense of motivation is that I think leaders today, and I say that, I use that term collectively, we're all leaders. Leaders today are really looking for what helps people stick around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're, we're still feeling the effects of the great discontent, mm-hmm. the great resignation. I think leaders are looking with strategy and, and almost a please help me sort of grasping, how do I keep somebody here? Absolutely. The conversations about motivation, you know, asking someone, mm-hmm. takes it's so much more than their strengths. It's, it's values, it's where they are currently in their life. But I did have a, a friend of mine who's a, a leader of a pretty significant, um, fast-moving organization. He, was, he is very frustrated by what he sees as generational differences in motivation. Mm. And I thought it would be a great topic for us too. Remember when we talked about the assumptions about the, um, the different generations, you know, Mm -hmm. not all millennials love avocado toast. We talked about that. We Mm -hmm. talked about, you know, not all Gen Xers are rebels standing with their boombox over their head. Some of those pieces and parts, I mean, those are low level examples. But I think yeah. it's a really good practice for us to step back at any given moment out of assumption mode yeah. and get curious. So as you are thinking about, and I just want you to share your motivation 
And then hopefully the listeners can be immediately in practice Mm -hmm. as to the questions they may ask you if they, if they were leading an organization that was lucky enough to have Tess's talent and Tess's commitment, and they were asking Tess, what motivates you? Mm-hmm. I want you to be in real time practice listeners. What do you feel like you're hearing that she needs from you as a leader? So I think we should like give this a go. Okay. Um, I'm down. I'm good. So okay. Tess, I would love to know when you are thinking about I'm going to take it even further back. When you made the decision to embark on this extraordinarily dedicated, full of sacrifice, learning decision, what motivated you? Hmm. Well, that's a great question, Allie. Um, I, I have several motivations that come to mind um the first primarily is living in purpose and in my passion and that i would say is is a big one um was the desire to as i've talked before like not repeat what the generation above me what i saw as um parents who worked to pay bills to be able to have time off Um, I wanted work that um, was life-giving and honored my talents and really was something I could be passionate about for my entire life. And so I spent a lot of time discerning and and testing and trying and figuring things out before making that decision. Um, Yeah, but that was uh, the very first one. I would say another major motivation of mine always is the desire to learn and be empowered with information. Um, and so that's definitely something that also leads into that is the desire to learn, um, the ins- desire to be enlightened, um, um, and then the, the desire to turn around and empower other people with that information as well has always been not only part of my strengths, but my core values and something that, you know, aligns really well with, uh, with where I'm at. So if I'm a leader lucky enough to have tests joining whatever team we're talking about could be a volunteer situation could be as a professor in a classroom thinking about you in the circle Mm -hmm. my mind goes immediately to we need to be able to prove and show that your gifts and talents are being pointed in a direction that is in alignment with your purpose yeah Mm -hmm. and that you can see actual data that shows that's true and that you will need to be able to have proof that you are doing the opposite of what was modeled to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's hard to quantify, and I think that's where a lot of leaders struggle is you can't put a KPI on motivation, right? Like you can't. You can't measure. How do you quantify when someone comes to you like I did and say, I, wanna, I did this because I want to live in passion always, I always want to be living in my purpose. How do you quantify someone's purpose, right? I think what's hard about that, and I think that's definitely a generational trend. Um, A lot of people are willing to forego 
higher salaries or, you know, um, you know, whatever it is, right, in, in my generation and younger for the sake of doing something that's meaningful to them and to the world around them. And I love that about my generation. Um, and but I think what's difficult then is there isn't a way to craft that. Like there isn't a way to like make passion and purpose and mission happen, right? Like you can create a, create a great culture and that leads to something like that. It's a mediator towards towards something like passion and purpose and mission. Um, but I think what's easier to spot and measure is a lack of it, right? Um, is, is, you know, when that, when that spark and when that passion leaves, but at that point, right, what do we do, Ali, executive coach? Because it might be too late, right? Like at that point, at, we're already looking for a new job because we've lost passion in our current position, right? So burnout gets really nuanced when we start to think about it that way. Because I think people associate burnout with I'm spending 65 days and I can't separate from my job. Yes. That's not necessarily how we get to burnout. No, no. And I think leaders need to stop and better understand that, that if they're not having conversations like this, you run the risk of burnout. And that might not look like somebody staying till seven o'clock at night. You may not be able to spot those potential burnout pieces if people aren't talking about their motivation. Have you ever, I, I think, and I'm saying this from a place of, I know that doesn't motivate you and you know it doesn't motivate me. But we know people who are motivated by money. Yeah. And there's right. nothing wrong with that, right? Like it's, it, we right. live in a capitalist right. society that is literally run by that. And so having the safety right. of, of economic wealth is not a bad motivation. I think what's, what I think maybe why it gets a bad rap sometimes is because it's easy. It's easy for that to be a motivator. Because then these other things don't matter, right? Like if it's about money, right? And a company wants to keep you, they'll just give you more money. It gets a lot harder to ask the questions that really get to the root if it's mm-hmm. not If it's money. not, yeah. And I think that like some people, that's a motivate. That's like high on a motivation list. And I get that. I mean, I it's high on my motivation list. Like I need economic security as someone who is financially independent. Um, but I think most people, it's not going to be the only. And that's the sticky part is like if we lived in a vacuum where we had one motivation and one motivation only, yes, there's probably going to be a lot of people who could fall right into that bucket. And therefore, we'd have a lot more satisfied employees in the world, right? <laughs> but there's a lot of people who don't, we don't fall neatly into buckets like that. And that's the beautiful part of like human beings as we function is like we can have more than one motivation and sometimes they conflict, right? Like sometimes they get in the way of each other because what happens when there's an offer for more money, but it's not in alignment with your talents, or it's in a different place than your family and being near your family is really important, right? Like, I mean, and that's a whole different rabbit trail we can go down to, right? And that comes to like almost Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? Like in your life, what is the most important motivation for you when they do conflict with one another? So generationally, we've seen a lot of shift in that and I've had a, converse, a couple conversations with friends that are my age about our mothers. And you didn't see a lot of moms 
outrun in marathons. You, mm-hmm. you didn't. Sure. You didn't see a lot of moms having a side hustle. You, you didn't see that. You saw a lot of moms invested in what moms did at that time, which was raise two kids and support the home. And we, we dug in a little bit further. You know, could we name a parent that we had who was like in their purpose? Our dads were not talking about purpose. Our moms were not talking about purpose. And my friend Sarah is so good at this. She helps me so much. She, she reminds me when I get frustrated by other people. You know, they don't know what they don't know. Yeah. And this, the information that we now have at the ready was not there. They were not having conversations about this. And it's mm-hmm. given me more empathy for my moms and other people um, who I've questioned, like, didn't you have any motivation? It mm-hmm. looked different based on social norms. And I think some of the expectations. And I think that's where a lot of the generational disconnect comes to, because I think there's a lot of people who look down on younger generations and call them unmotivated, right? Because a big piece of our generation is like striking really great work, not like work-life balance, but having like an integrated life where you can go and you can take breaks during the workday, or you can easily travel and being able to put things down. Like, I feel like that's becoming more and more of a priority for my generation and younger um, because of, you know, increased burnout and lack of motivation, um, not because we're unmotivated, right? But because we're in contexts which don't honor the motivation that we came in with necessarily, right? And so um, I think the bias though and the disconnect is the assumption that there is not motivation in place, right? Or the motivation is my motivation, which for a lot of older generations, like, and not to, you know, these are not all encompassing statements either, but like, it's like my, I mean, I grew up with my parents who were like, we work hard, we support our family, we you know, have our values and our practices that we believe in. And that's what motivates us. Our family being, you know, financially able to get by, working hard, investing in the community. Like, and for, you know, for a lot of people, that's not necessarily a top priority anymore. Just like we know the shifts of generations. And so I think that's where a lot of bias and assumption comes into play is that my motivations are the correct motivations and the right motivations. And you have deviated from that. And therefore your motivations are not true motivations. So therefore you are unmotivated. I agree. And I think that as we see continued generational shifts in the workplace, there needs to be open dialogue for this. I don't know, I don't really have an answer yet, and I am asked this a lot, I don't know how to help tee up those conversations unless trust has already been built to be able to ask someone Mm. such a vulnerable question. I also don't know that there's a question like that that can be asked if the person hasn't done the work of self-awareness. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And self-awareness, as we've talked about many times, is so underrated. Mm -hmm. I'm getting better now at 47 at recognizing how I actually show up. I 
am getting so much better at that. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, it didn't come naturally to me because I thought I needed to participate in a box and a label that was me who I was supposed to be. It took a lot of work for me to get to a place of authenticity. And now that I'm in it, I kind of don't have a lot of tolerance for faking it anymore. Mm. Yeah. Like I, it turns out I really like to be alone. (laughs) Which I love. Can we just like celebrate that for a moment? Because remember early on your talks of being afraid to be alone because you've never been in a place in your life in which you have been like years ago. We were talking about this and you were like, gosh, Tess, I respect you so much because you just practice solitude and you're on your own a lot and you're independent. And now look at you. You're like, now that some of that's being infringed upon in your own life, you're like, gosh, I love being by myself. (laughs) It's a need. It's a counterbalance to the extrovert me. Mm. But it was a best practice when I was seven, eight years old, because I would head off to explore on the farm by myself in quiet solitude. I didn't know that I needed it, or I'd get lost in a book in quiet solitude. I didn't know that I needed it. Mm. I was always craving, why can't I go to town and be with the town kids who get to ride their bikes and be social? I didn't know it was something that I actually needed to counterbalance the extroversion. Yeah. And now that we're returning to more people around. I got a lot out of a time of pandemic. Yeah. A lot. I love that. And a lot more that I didn't realize. Um, it was a shift in container yeah. for me that I didn't actually know that I needed. And now when I return to the Allison, the, the littles call it the treehouse condo, when I return to the treehouse condo, I feel such peace. It, it's mm. physically, emotionally, it is an awareness in my body that I just yeah. sink into alone, capital A, in the treehouse condo and the quiet that I need mm. to restructure. That's, I've always been a, run, a morning run person mm-hmm. with no one with me. I like to hike by myself. Um, There have been best practices that I just hadn't named. Mm -hmm. I don't know that I really took the time to know me, deeply know me, until the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. So I can show up with better answers about my own motivation because of the work of self-awareness. Yeah. But but, but that has to happen. And in the container, when someone is asking about your motivation, there has to be a level of, of trust and understanding. I agree. And I think that level is different for everyone. But I will say I don't think it's a if A then B situation with self-awareness and uh, motivation awareness that I think they can go hand in hand, right? Like we might think it's logical to like have this self-awareness first then to be able to like say this is my motivation for things. But, you know, understanding your motivation is a form of self-awareness. And so I keep thinking about 
when we were talking about, okay, so what happens? I was thinking practically, right? Pragmatic brain went to, um, went to a place of like, okay, if someone's listening to this and they don't know their motivation, like, right. Like what, what practical steps can we like give people? Like, because we both can probably pretty easily, I was able to pretty easily tell you my motivations for things. And I think we, we implicitly know, right. But it needs to be dug out. And it reminded me of a practice in this journal writing class that I have been in, um, academic writing course. And, um, and it's been like a, an awesome course. And it's based on this book called Writing Your Journal Article in 12 Weeks by um, Wendy Laura Belcher, A Guide to Academic Publishing Success. So it's based on this book. And basically, it's to help you in terms of helping you write your argument successfully for your journal article. There's this practice. And like we had to do this in this class. And it was so great. We like read this like role-playing exercise thing and um it was called the so what exercise so you say a statement right of like this is what my paper's about so what well you know so on and so forth you weren't worked to clarify so what and you keep asking that question until you get to the root and I keep thinking about the the question to get at the root of purpose is why which is my favorite question in the whole world. And I love it. And it comes off really harsh to some people in certain contexts, but it's a necessary question, especially by a generation and a, and a culture and society. I think we're moving in general to focus on our intent, our purpose, and our why, right? Find your why, Simon Sinek, you know, all of that. It's becoming a normative part of our, of our discourse as in the workplace, in family, in everything, right? Um, and so I, I feel like that could be a good practice for people, right? Like, so name something that you want to get to the motivation of. Like, why, you know, say something that you want to do in life. Like, I want to do this. Why? Well, I think it would. Why? Like, continue to ask that question and probe it in order to get to your root of why. Because I think this we we have i almost envision it like our core motivation things that i was able to easily resuscitate the things that you've shared i think are these core emotions and it's like right i i'm trying to think of the only imagery i have is like an onion in the ground right it's like a root vegetable and then like from it plants the the pieces that you see the greenery that pops up above the ground we all have something above the ground for our motivations right? Something that's easily tangible, the low hanging fruit that we can say, okay, I'm going to start ripping at these, like, I don't even know how can tell I'm a city person, <laughs> like the onion leaves, whatever's above ground for a root vegetable, right? Like, you know, I'm thinking all of these things, right? There's something that's poking above ground. Thank you. I'm like, I'm really losing this real quickly. <laughs> whatever the thing is that's above ground, right? To be able to pull at that, like the, the, I want to do this, or I feel a desire to do this, even if it's something simple, I want to go to the beach well why do you want to go to the beach well um I think it would be a nice break well why do you want to break oh well you know I think that there's like some imbalance in my life that I want to rectify well why do you think there's some imbalance well because I don't have proper boundaries okay well why don't you have proper boundaries because I'm not respecting myself boom there's your there's the onion at the bottom your motivation is the need for self-respect right? The need to, to honor your own boundaries, right? So I, I keep, I don't no idea why this practice popped into my brain, but I'm like the question that we need to continue to ask, right? To continue to till the ground, to get to the onion, my such a silly analogy, right? Is like, is why? Because that's the, the base question of motivation. 
Well, I think also it helps us to think about the things that we procrastinate or we are unmotivated to do. Yeah. You know, why? Why not? Mm-hmm. And so boundaries being a great example, and it just so happens to be chapter 10 and I am week 10 in how to do the work. Boundaries are really, really, really hard for me. And if you would get into the why, it's because I am a people pleaser. And if you get into the why of that, it's because I have a narrative that if I am not showing my value and my worth to you and reminding you of my worth and value all the time, you will forget me and not care about me. And why deeper than that is because that is the trauma that I experienced. I was always having to prove myself to garner love and, and affection and attention in my family of origin. Like you just have to go a little bit further. Yeah. It's hard work. It's hard work. I think it's almost as important for me, at least right now to name what I'm avoiding or unmotivated to do. Mm. That's where radical truth telling gets real tricky for me. Mm. It's really easy to tell people I am motivated to do these good things because of this. But to get into, <clears throat> so interesting to me how every time I talk about something difficult, my throat chakra just shows up. Yeah, it gets. I hear it on every one of these, every mm-hmm. one of these episodes, it happens. <laughs> <clears throat> like, it's truly, it, it gets, it like shuts down. When it's something that's hard for me to talk about, it just naturally shuts down. Mm-hmm. That's. That's me trying to protect this mm. inner child voice that wants to say this is bullshit, but I can't get my words out. So there's a lot to learn from, not just the motivation, but what you maybe are unmotivated to do and avoiding or running, patching, hiding, denying. And that is where to me, the deeper, this is more turn up level. root vegetable you really got to get in there yeah and nobody nobody wants the dirty hands of yeah digging yep it's 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 tough work and that's yeah and I think that's good to acknowledge both are not and I wouldn't necessarily I just I think the term I have a hard term with the term unmotivated because I think it's not I would say maybe of motivation it's like um, productive and destructive motivations, right? Like, uh, I'm thinking of a way to even reframe that. What we're procrastinating, acknowledging, mm-hmm. or what... I mean, to me, it's totally attached to motivation. Yeah. And the things that we I are can, procrastinating, but that's, that's kind of where I'm going, right? The things that we procrastinate, but right. it's not that we are unmotivated we have a different motivation right it's it's an insecurity if it's a lack of time if it's worried about what people will think of the product that i will produce whatever it is right it's not really that you don't have motivation it's that you don't have motivation that's leading you to actually execute whatever that thing is that you're procrastinating and that's where i'm like that's why i want to reframe it right it's yeah when you look at your beautiful 34 report mm-hmm. your Gallup strengths report that's color coded and and has all of those colors that help you know where you are dominant yep you lead with 
Uh, the specific strengths or domains? Oh, I lead with strategic thinking. Domain. Mm-hmm. And I think there's an entire wealth of information in that that I've been able to harness and learn a little bit more about. It does not mean, and you've taught this so well over the years, and I was listening. I was always listening. I use a lot of the knowledge that you extended to me when I'm trying to teach to others. Those four domains are not limited. You know, Mm -hmm. it doesn't mean that you don't put your pants on every day, execution. It doesn't mean that you don't build relationships. It doesn't mean that you don't think. I mean, it just means your pathway to getting there Mm-hmm. may look very different. Absolutely. And so my my themes are high influencing and high relationship building and I'm I struggle with the execution. Sure. So when I look at what is easy for me to be motivated to action, it's usually through mm-hmm. relationships and my ability to influence. It's not a direct path of here's what needs to be done, go do it. Mm -hmm. It has this like weavy, long, wavy, in and out road of, but how will that affect people? And who's gonna be pissed off about it? And what about all the other things that I'm supposed to do for these people over here? And I'm just getting into the recognition of that. Yeah, that's good. And I think like similar, right? It's if you're procrastinating to use that word, like or not doing something, it doesn't mean you have necessarily right you can justify it in one way as having low executing themes or not being dominant in executing you can also justify it as some of these tasks that you're procrastinating don't naturally align with where you're most gifted right so then how do you help increase positive you know motivation is by infusing those things into those tasks right how can you infuse right. building relationships into some of these things that, that you might be struggling with? Like, how can you infuse influencing into that space? And and it makes, I, I think about this, and I mean, I'm just verbal processing with you right now because of this conversation, but I think about when I've had tasks that I have not wanted to do, I literally think about them as a puzzle or a race, or I think about that, and I've like never thought about this before. I'm pulling on my strategic thinking dominance to say, okay, oh my gosh, I don't want to have to ride the metro or go this place. Like, it's just out of my way. It's another task. And I keep thinking, like, I'll think about, okay, can I find a creative way to get there? Like, I haven't been into this neighborhood. Maybe I'll bike through there instead of the quickest path in order to get there to, like, make it fun, right? But, like, in the end, like, it's my brain saying, how can I infuse, like, a strategic manner into this? And, you know, I even think about... Um, when um, I popped a tire on my car in Omaha and like frustrating, you know, as all get out, but like my adaptability bumped into action and then my strategic thinking helped me cope with it to say, okay, my commute is so much longer because I'm on a spare tire right now and for multiple days before I can get in. Um, and so instead of taking that commute and saying, this is frustrating, I'm going to go through all of these neighborhoods in Omaha I've never gone through before. And I'm starting out at 40th and Dodge, basically, and I have to get to 114th and Giles. How can I get there? How can I hit all of these? I'm going to hit all the 60s today. I'm going to hit all the north, south. Like, literally, this, this is how my brain functions. And it was like, I just turned it into a game. And I, I was like, I'm going to be able to get there if I'm starting out at these coordinates and I need to end up at these coordinates. And it's so funny that, like, 
I mean, we're thinking about this now. I'm just like verbally spewing, but, but that's what like we do with these, these areas of dominance that we have. And I think that's a way to like reframe and infuse talent and strength into the places that we feel a lack of positive motivation, right? A, a mm-hmm. lack, or we feel increased procrastination is to say probably those things on our list, it's not that we can't accomplish them. It's never that we can't accomplish them. It's what are we missing in those spaces and how can we infuse what we need to be really positively and productively motivated around those items? I'm just thinking about the things on my to-do list that keep showing up on my to-do list because I just transfer them over because I don't really want to do them (laughs) and how I could reframe them through a strengths lens is a completely different way at looking at the task. Yeah. I even think about, Oh, I, I was going to say, even think about, was it Jolene that always talks about like, for every job, there's someone who loves to do it. And she talked about her expense reports. And I think about even something like that, right? Allie, you're not going to be one who's going to love to do her expense reports, right? What if you held an expense report party where everyone brought in a cup of coffee? We all sat around the table at the end of the month and we all did our expense reports together. Like, let's build a relationship while we do our expense Let's just all have hell at the same time, basically. (laughs) Yeah, so we can cope through it together. I was thinking, (laughs) I am... There are things that are going to require me using my less dominant hand. This is like me using my left hand to do the expense reports because I don't want to, but also because I'm not motivated by the numbers. Yeah. I'm not motivated by the numbers. That does not motivate me. What does motivate me is when I think about it from a perspective of heart. And so I could, this is a great, I'm verbal processing now. If I can attach a memory with each of those expenses, like, oh, that's right, I have an expense report because I got to spend time with the team building a strategic plan in Omaha. I love that. And later I went to dinner with Lauren. I mean, if I'm able to attach a memory that connects to the heart mm. as I'm processing those, I'll be more likely to want to get after that task. That is so great. I love that. I Jeez. love that. Wow, we just came up with best practices right here in real time. That's why having these conversations (laughs) is important. I love that. I love that. Oh, that's so good. I think those are really good practices. So I'm thinking about like even action items for people that are listening, like number one, what motivates you, right? And using the, Mm -hmm. the why, 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 why exercise, like to get there if you need to. And then number two, where you feel a lack of, positive productive motivation and or increased procrastination what are some practical applications you know of your strengths in order to increase motivation in those areas yeah gosh brilliantly said like oh I'm going to go turn around and apply this to myself today because I have things that I have been procrastinating that now I'm really excited to go do because I'm going to make it a game and going to think strategically about this Mm -hmm. I love that I love that what else anything else for our listeners today nice Uh, I think this was good I think this as per usual comes together in a way that we don't predict I think in the green room, I said, hey, I need to acknowledge the mat thing and B, let's talk about motivation. And then we get here and this happens. 
Like it was, yeah, it was so, okay, yeah. it's great. <laughs> I love it, okay. Um, I really, I, I feel like we get we get trickles of email, but I just wanna put another plug in. Like we'd really love to hear, I think this is a really intriguing conversation, not just in the overall like meta, you know, conversation of motivation, right? But the generational differences, the strength-based differences, but then where we feel a lack of it, you know? I, so I'd really love to hear from people. I feel like we've had a little bit of a trickling off of responses. So I'm just going to put in, if you made it to this point in the episode, we read them and we love to talk about them. And so please send them, send them our way. I love it. Well, thank you everybody for tuning in to episode 97 of Jen and Millie. If you enjoyed today's conversation, consider sharing this episode with a friend. To interact with us and share your responses to the questions we posed, best way to do that is by giving us a follow on Instagram at Jen and Millie. That's at G-E-N-N-A-N-D-M-I-L-L-I-E. Until next time.